on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Customer always has an option, always. And the minute you forget the customer has options, you're going to get in trouble. My failure was always looking at the next piece of business. My right. So I had to recognize where my weakness was and I had to have people behind me that would honor my commitments. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host, and today I have Doug Groves here on the King stage. Doug, how are we doing this morning? Doing fantastic. It's a bright, beautiful day in Las Vegas, so we're uh, go. got a great view. That's right. That's right. Well, I know that uh, that that you don't call Las Vegas home. Where do you call? It's out of Austin, Texas. A little town called. Uh, used to be a little town called Georgetown, Texas. Now it's on the map of everybody. And yeah, uh, we're fighting fighting all the wonderful things from growth. Yes. Well, you say Austin, and, and I think everything around Austin has has uh, like tripled or maybe five axed in the last even just twelve months. But a lot of a lot of places across the country. Doug, I'm I'm excited that you're here with us, even though you're traveling and and doing some business building while you're there, giving us some some value here today of your years of experience. Tell us what kind of business that you got. We're a property and casualty insurance agency. We sell um, property and liability and workers' compensation and commercial automobile, and we we move those products in every state in the the U.S., even in Hawaii. So uh, love it. We're a little bit different than normal PNC guys on the corner because our customers trade across the country. So we had to be licensed and ready to go and knowledgeable about rules and regulations in all states. So yeah, we're insurance guys. We, we move those products. You, you, you say it so simply, you have a little bit of a niche in the market. Tell us who you work with. I, I work mostly with franchisors, people like sport clubs, travel smoothie and U.S. lawns. Our expertise is really in the franchise disclosure document. There's a, a contract that holds the franchisor with the franchisee and we have a little bit of expertise in that language and how to structure insurance products to keep everybody happy and keep the attorneys out at bay, at bay as best we can. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and obviously we've talked about a couple of locations of a franchise that I have and and you're right. There's, I get a friendly reminder anytime yep. that uh, that renewal comes up because one policy has ended and I've, I've uh, quote unquote fallen into non-compliance or you know, obviously <laughs> they just need a new certificate, but. It, there's, uh, there's, there, there is, there is such a thing as what you're talking about. So I get it. Yeah, there's, and then every brand has different language. Every brand has different penalties, which sounds like a rough word, but there are consequences if you fall in non-compliance, like you just right. said. And and uh, we try to keep everybody in compliance, right. keep the brand growing, and that's yeah. what we try to do is keep their staff focused on generating revenue, and we'll keep our eyes on the insurance ball. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and it's even inside the insurance, I'm pointing this out for the listener because we've talked about this with several guests on the show as far as being able to kind of like really find your area where you're really, really good. And in this huge sea of insurance, you've narrowed it down to, you know, some franchise systems. 
specifically working with the franchise or and then the individual franchisees. But even more than that, like your gateway, like you said, is let's help you with this, make your life easy, make your life easy. And then out of that obviously comes a relationship and and you get to sell a bunch of great products, but but you found your you found your like your entry point. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you can't be all things to all people, and if you try, you normally fail. You just people's needs are too divergent. The way business is transacted is too divergent across the country. Uh, yeah. People in Dallas trade with people in Dallas. People in Houston trade with people in Houston, and there are two different business models, and there are, are business appetites and the way that people handle business. And so I'm a real believer in you got to be really good at what you do and you better have a pretty narrow focus on what you do. And if that is a, a narrow brand across the country, you got to be able to move. And local, although we're a local insurance agent, we handle all kinds of insurance locally. As we move across state boundaries, we're going to be very narrowly focused because people are going to try with, or not going to trade with Guyana, Austin, Texas, if you're in LA, California. So, right. Yep. Just exactly. Focus, focus. Yeah. You know, I, I want to bring this up a little bit later because I think that, that this is a thing that most entrepreneurs struggle with and myself included for many years. And so before we do that, though, I want to know the bigger picture for you, Doug. I mean, you're a king here today because you've had success. You didn't you didn't just come across it overnight, but you're still at it. You're you're literally in Las Vegas right now as we're doing this recording, building your business. And so why? I can't stop. I've tried to stop, sold a business, bought another one. My success comes from my children. They're all on my team. Love them. It's been a great ride. They kept me alive and keep me motivated. And uh, yeah. I had, had, had an insurance business in Austin that I sold and wanted to retire and figured out that retirement life is not for me and developed this franchise program and the kids all showed up and away we go. Yeah. I want you to talk a little bit more there because you've, you've mentioned that you sold, you had an insurance company before, but you sold it. So there was something, I guess, almost in the negative of like the, the retired life wasn't for me. So what? What is it about business that gives you the fulfillment? But then on top of that, the second layer I want you to go into, if you can, what is like doing this with your kids? Like, I just can only imagine being in that position one day. Well, I don't have to teach the basics to the kids. They, they get it. They've been with me for- I was going to say, you already time. taught them the basics. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, they know what to do. They know how to handle it. Although we all do something a little bit different in our business Okay. In and of itself, sure. we have a couple of offices, keep people separated. We all do a little bit different, but we're all on the same team. And my first business I'd bought from my dad and ran it for years and actually just really burned out, bored. Kids weren't involved, no reason to grow the business and you just sell, sell it. And then he realized, well, I might, might, have, might ought to give myself something to do and stay in it. And then the kids decided that they all wanted to retire from their chosen profession at the time. They were pretty young, but they had taste of the world outside. And they said, hey, let's go do what Dan does. So, wow. Worked out for me. Yeah. Well, I'd say for them too, because a conglomerate or a collective effort. And so I, I definitely want to dive more into that maybe a little bit later. I got some questions around family and stuff, but I, I envision myself in your shoes one day where. Not that I, not that I don't want my kids to go do what they want. I, I, of course I do. I just want what they want to do to be all together. Yeah. 
you know, and not really just because like selfishly, I want to like just keep running up the mountain. I just want to build something that's family oriented. You know, I, I want like when I think about just huge family names, just these big family names that we can think about from 100 years ago that are still around and they're operating these big companies and foundations and all this stuff. It's like, man, there are there's a collective effort to that. And that starts with someone. And I'm just trying to be that. Someone. I don't, I don't even need my name really remembered. I just want it to be like this now huge effort that comes together of all this talent in in my family. Is that yeah? Is that everybody's you done. Sure. Everybody has different talent, and you have to realize that nobody's the same. That the kids are like me, and but they're all very talented. We just have to focus on what their individual talents are and keep them doing what they do well and they, what they enjoy and. Right. It's not necessarily about what I do, but we move the ball forward each day. And I think we, that big common goal is what drives us. Yeah. So yeah. it's fortunate that they're my kids. So, yeah, I love that. All right. Well, let's get into some of your story. You've, you kind of hinted at it a little bit that you've been in insurance for a long time. Tell us just how you got, you said you bought a business from your dad. Like just how did you and business and entrepreneurialism come together? Well, most insurance people are masters at failing at other things. So when I graduated from Texas A&M in 1982, I didn't really know what to do. Went to work for a couple of insurance companies because the economy was, although it was rocking and rolling in 1982 and 83, interest rates were very high. You know, they started pushing up into 14, 15%. So I didn't really know what to do. Um, been a people guy probably all along through college, high school, not a not an academician. Sure. Although I'm thinking pretty smart. I'm not a book guy. I worked a couple of years with some insurance companies and decided that wasn't going to work because I didn't really like to answer to people. So went over and knocked on my dad's door and said, Hey, I think I, I want to work here. I just grew the business. But in, in that business, we were really involved in the home builder world. The home builder, okay. it's amazingly the similarities between a home builder and a subcontractor is a lot like a franchisor and a franchisee. Yeah. It's the same working relationship. So we developed some ideas and some marketing plans and we grew the home builder business and we stayed mostly in t Texas, just Texas domiciled. And we grew a big team and Really just got bored over a 30-year period of time. Kids weren't in the business. No reason to grow it. No reason to stick around. You find other interests and you say, hey, I'm not interested in this anymore. I probably ought to sell it. And so I sold my dad's business. I mean, I bought it in probably 97-ish. Sold it in 2010. And I just bought another little insurance agency in Georgetown. They had some good people, pretty small little agency, but had good people. and. I bought it mainly just out of boredom. You know, I probably was unemployed essentially or whatever out of the business for about a month and a half. And you just can't get out. People call you and they say, Hey, I, I got a problem. I got an issue and yep. can't get anybody to help me. So you say, Well, I might as well do this. And so I bought this little business in Georgetown. And within a period of two or three years, all of my kids had come. I had a son that was in a real estate business, I had a son that owned a restaurant, and a daughter that was a CPA for, for a big national company. And wow. Next thing I know, we were all together and I said, oh, well, if we're going to be together. We're going to, we're going to have to grow this thing up a little bit. So that's right. We, we started mainly working in the franchise business because it was 
a business model that we knew how to work. We had had some franchises ourselves. Sure. Nothing that was really very good, but we learned the basics of the franchise business. And we said, hey, let's sell insurance to these folks. But, you know, it's been a 40-year run, and I really think we're just getting started. If I happen to check out, the kids are fully capable of running the business. Yeah. Got grandkids, uh, all the stuff. So I think we're in pretty good shape now. I love that. I think that that's encouraging for the listener because, you know, you're, like I said, you're 40 years in, maybe a listener's four months in or four years yeah. in. And the, the difference uh, is a stick-to-itiveness. Yeah. I hire a lot of young people. I like the young youth keeps me busy. They tire me out extremely quick, but I like youth and I like enthusiasm. And if you can bring those things to the table with us, you can do pretty well. We've got a good team. We're probably up to around 30 players on our team now. And what I have to caution my kids and myself is you don't have to do it. You have to lead, yeah. be a leader and lead these people down the trail and they'll do some good things for you. Cause that's, that's really the people business. I mean, the insurance business is the people business, pretty much any businesses. I really think depended on the staff that you have, the training that you have. Right. And the model it doesn't really matter what you do. You got to do it well and you got to be somewhat creative in how you deliver those products. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that uh, that construct. We'll definitely dive into some of that. I want to know, Doug, what was a good decision that you made? It could be in the early business before you sold it. What about this new one also? Just a, a good decision that you could look back on. And this one thing led to a bunch of other things that went really well. Well, <clears throat> selling my dad's business was probably, on one hand, the stupid thing to do. On the other hand, I wouldn't be where I am today had I not done that. Right. So that is a good and bad decision at the same time. Sure. When you don't think you bring any value to a business and you're not adding to it anymore, you know, it was probably a good time to sell it. However, it was a good revenue stream for me, but I, I thought I got enough money when I sold it that I could live for 10 or 15 years and figure out something else to do. Yeah. It's just that I didn't really have any talent to go do anything else. And so I said, well, that game worked pretty well. Let's just do it again. And that probably wasn't probably not the smartest decision either, but it was the way I chose. But then that allowed the door to open for my kiddos, which is yeah. by far the best decision I've ever made is having them join me. And you can go to work every day if somebody's willing to listen and willing to take your ideas and, and you see that you can push that on to the younger people. Then, and that, that's the reason to go to work is, is to be able to help the next person in line. Right. It's I, I, my dad always told me, it doesn't matter where you start. It's what are you going to do with it? And if you can do something with what you have been given or have earned or whatever, that's how you're going to get measured. And that's what I try to do. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a cool story in a, in a pretty well-known book about a certain number of talents given and what we do with it, right? Sure is. You know, but I love how you, how it opened up to the end there. You gave several, you know, good, bad scenarios there, but isn't, isn't such as life, right? Like business and life decisions. And it's like, well, they kind of just are. 
good or yeah. bad. They kind of just are, and they've led us to where we are today. But inside of that, it sounds like you know having your kids with you has been an incredible piece of that. So I want to dive into that just a little bit. What would you say for the listener right now? Because I mean, maybe they're a guy like me, and I got I got little kids. I can't I can't go employ my my kids quite yet, or they can join the partnership you know ownership pool yet. But what what inside of that am I looking for, or that you have that maybe I I can get with other people that aren't my kids yet, like? What's the juice in that decision that's just been so wonderful? Well, I mean, I think the young people are the magic of everything. They bring an enthusiasm and energy to a project, a job, a, a career that that the older side of the generation just says, well, hey, I've done this hell. I don't need to make any new relationships. And sure, you, you guys go do that. So the young people, and you have to keep it exciting and and knowledgeable and somewhat profitable for the young people or you'll lose them and because else will make their life better and so if you can make people's lives better and you can show them a growth track not not overnight insurance business is way not overnight (laughs) way a way way slow build yeah it's steady it's very steady and if you can put some new business on the books you can create a system to handle your existing business and keep that business renewing. You can grow. And if you can grow, then you have to duplicate yourselves. And, and, and people that are one man insurance people are not picking on them at all, but pretty much I can tell you how much revenue they can handle because they're a one man band and some people want to be a one man band. Yeah. I never did. And I thought, well, if I could just clone my dad and clone me, then we can grow. And I think it's about cloning the good talents that your team has. Yeah. It is so simple, but yet so profound. I say that often on the show because we make points like that, but like, wow, duplicate the things that work and, and don't, don't duplicate the things that don't work. I mean, I, uh, but but, but it's, it's difficult to actually do that. Yeah. It's simple to say. It's difficult to do. Well, I think you have to look outside of yourself and see talented people in your community and how can you emulate their, duplicate what they're doing in their business that would yeah. fit you and your business. And, That's right. and if you can do that, you, you can add to your team. And, and, and I think that's what we do. We, we, I can't take care of everybody's insurance needs personally and the ones that if i had to take care of them personally i can tell you how big i could grow to because i'd be answering a phone but i can sell a wheel that on that wheel we have different team members that accomplish different tasks and so if a question gets comes my way and i say well that's joe's wheel and let's see and that's his folk in the wheel let's let joe get involved and fix that problem so it doesn't happen again and 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 I think we are selling a wheel and, and, and the wheel just keeps rolling. That the analogy that you just gave is very profound for the guy listening right now or gal, and they don't have a wheel yet. They're, they're the one man band. Maybe they've got even a team of two, three, four, five, but generally speaking, they've been, you know, working that, that one man band, even mindset. <clears throat> How did they change from the one man band or the one spoke wheel to an actual wheel? Providing well, a service around a wheel. You have to trust people. You have to have people on your team that you 
you can rely on it. If you, if you hire a staff member and you were embarrassed to put that staff member in front of your finest client, then I wonder why we hired that person. If, wow. if we're not, if we're not capable of putting our weakest link in front of our best customer, then the weak link needs to kind of go away. Wow. And I, I that is the mistake that I've made in my 40 years where I tolerated behaviors or actions from, from teammates that I, right. That they, that crossed my boundary, whatever my boundary was, but right. I didn't address that quickly enough. Yeah. And so I think that's what you have to do. And I, if we say, oh, we can't let Betty talk to Joe because Joe's our best customer and Betty's pretty weak. And we probably need to replace Betty. And yeah. that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the, I, I want to be the weak link on the team and everybody else needs to be a star. Yeah. You're, you're really giving it, giving good stuff here. You're saying it so casually because you've just done this for so long, but I'm, I'm, I, we got to stop here for a second because the listener may not have the decades of just like, this is real. What you're talking about right now. Is 100% real. And I love the distinction and just the sheer logic that you've used. Can my weakest go before my best? And if not, not only, not, not should I get rid of them? Yes, that, that may be part of the solution. I, we have work to do is the honest looking in the mirror. Let's actually try to do this thing well. And so it, it's just, it's just very enlightening. I hope that the listener is paying attention. I think of hires that I've made in the past as well. And I go, Mm, everything you just hit strikes a chord. And it's like, yep, I'm, yep, you're right. And I found out later, obviously, that they weren't a good fit. I did what did we I, lose in between time? What I, was the opportunity cost? I did, I did not say I was a master at it. I, <laughs> I, 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 have failed, I have failed. And probably the biggest mistakes I've made is having staff people that didn't, weren't like-minded. It doesn't, it's not good or bad. It's just like-minded. And if you put like-minded people together and you don't have somebody way off in right field right or left field or wherever you're wherever, wherever your field is, is. Yeah. yeah i think you're gonna probably regret it you're not gonna move yeah. the team as fast and that's probably every person's problem is getting the right teammates and yeah yeah, yeah. what would you say to the person right now who's listening and they 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 know like we're talking about this topic and they have a name in their brain of that person that's in left field and the rest of the team's in right field. What did they go do? How, how should they handle it? Well, that's, you know, probably one of my failings since I, uh, every time I went to fire somebody, by the time I was done, I'd give it a raise and an extra day off. I mean, I just didn't <laughs> ha handle, handle it well. Okay. Wow. But really you're having that conversation because you're not happy and you're not right. happy. Right because of your observations of what that teammate was doing and, and yeah. addressing that quickly. So that doesn't affect other teammates. You can't have one teammate bringing down the whole team. I think I do a better job at realizing somebody is not all bought in quicker than I used to. And I used to be probably a little more tolerant of, um, a different behavior just because, well, I, I had a hard time finding that one. So I, I don't want to go look again. I don't want to start yeah. over. And, 
And all of those things are valid points, yep. but the quicker you get it over with, the better off you're going to be. And that's the problems linger. They won't go away and the tiger doesn't change his stripes and all yeah. the cliches you can say, people are the people, you're not going to change them. That's right. So they had to be bought in. Yeah. You know, just to give the listener just a slight bit of encouragement on what you're saying here is that oftentimes what I have found, not only in my own experience, I'm sure you can relate to this as well, but even the business owners that are in our mastermind, seven, eight, even nine figure business owners, they have big businesses, lots of employees, and they would all agree with me because we've had these types of conversations where you don't know what you don't know. And so everything you just said, as far as like, oh, but if I let them go and I got to start over and like that difficulty part of it, that person that's describing that hasn't felt what it's like to have the absolute right person. Because when you get the right person, is it night and day? Yeah. And you go, wow, this is what it's supposed to have been this whole time. It's almost like a cheat yeah. code. Like this is easy. And it doesn't mean that the management of people or the finding of a players is easy. It just means that when you find one and you put them in the right seat on the bus, that's fit right just for them. Everything is just so much easier. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I, uh, sure. I mean, and we, you know, personnel mistakes are probably the, the biggest errors that I ever made. And, and you look back and you say, well, why did I wait a year? Why did I wait six months? Why did I wait a month? If I was, right. and I, I still go back to the best, the, the, the best thing I have is take your weakest person. How you discover that it's tough, but if you, if you're embarrassed about them meeting your best customer, then you probably need to make a change. And, and that's, that's just so simple to say and so hard to do, but that's the game. And if I, if I got people on my team that I don't want to see my best customer, they're like, why are they on my team? If they, if they're the ones that answer the phone that day, I need them to be an A plus. And yeah, it's good. It's a good, a, it's a good measurement stick for sure. A, a plus and effort. I, I don't always. Sure. Where, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't know all the answers. I, so, I tell the customer sometimes, man, you know, that's a great question. I'll have to go read on that and I'll get with you tomorrow by noon and I'll have an answer or I'll find somebody who has the answer. Yeah. Um, and that's, I just need effort. Yeah. That's a big deal. It, there's, there's obviously several components to the effort, <clears throat> you know, hungry, humble, smart is what Patrick Lencioni talks about in one of his books, but all those things go into, it's like, okay, can I, can I work with this? Like, is there something here to work with? And that's what I'm picking up when you say effort is that, can I, can I mold this? Can it get better? Do they want to be better? Do they want to go to the next level? Because when they're the wrong person on the wrong seat, it, it just is a challenge there, there's usually it's, there's like a, like you said, everybody's over here. And actually that, that example that you gave of right field, left field, and everybody's over here. And that one person's over there. Usually the rest of the team can see it pretty obviously. Yeah. The rest of the team is not typically happy that you allowed that person in the opposite field to, 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 to drag the team down. Right. Now you also need to be aware that sometimes that person in left field has a good idea and maybe the rest of us need to put. Move a little bit, just a little bit different. That's right. Yeah, it's a little bit different, and and maybe there's some use for them after all. It's yeah. I think that that is that they're not causing negative. Yep. Uh, reactions to the other teammates, negative reactions amongst your customers, then possibly you can harness that. And and I'm not saying that I'm a master at that. I think I'm a master of forty years of being pretty much in the same business 
and trying to, and I've been able to see what works and doesn't work. Yeah. And obviously we're always looking to improve what, what we do. I'm technologically pretty challenged. You know, they throw around words like AI and yeah. all the, all this stuff nowadays. And I have a computer program that what works with franchisors. So I'm somewhat right. technically strong. I know what A is supposed to look like. I know what Z is supposed to look like. I'm not real sure what goes in the middle, but there's people that are sure what goes in the middle. Yeah. I just got to surround myself with those. Folks. Yeah. So it's such an honest answer. And I appreciate that the vulnerability even there to be able to say that because it's not necessarily about ego at the King stage or even beyond, you know, the sage after the King, but it's about, it's about, you know, putting, it's about people really. We've already talked about that just this entire time, but inside of people, there's, <clears throat> there's real answers. There's vulnerability. It's actually like relationship. It's moving the needle. Like you talked about. So I, I want to ask you about your decision-making process. You've been in this business 40 you know, years and you got lots of team members, you got your kids, like all these different things that you got going on. Is there a process that you follow in order to make quality decisions? I'm very guilty of keeping all of those processes in my head and not sharing with my team members what drives that decision, yeah. what metrics that, that I use. If I had metrics, I'm pretty much of a, a gut feeling person. Yeah. And some of the decisions I make, although they might be correct, some, oftentimes they're not correct, but if, if they're correct and my, and I'm having to explain it to my team members and my, my kiddos, they're not kids, but like, why, why are we doing this? I go, well, cause that's what I wanted. <laughs> Although maybe we're doing it because I want to do it. Right. Probably they, they make you think through the process. Okay. What is this going to affect? If I do a, how is it going to affect B Right. and do I have justification for doing this? Right. And when you have people that count on you or follow you, I think it helps that they understand how you're, how you got to that decision. Not the best at it, probably a lot better today than I used to be, but sh sharing the thought process of how we get to a decision, I think helps the next decision. Oh yeah. yeah. So that they, you're not, they don't feel like you're coming out of left field right. and we're just going to change. Yep. But I, I think that's where I try to do better because the kids will hold you accountable or, or your teammates. I don't, I yeah. Don't yeah, they will. Everybody, everybody has a different set of teammates, but your teammates will hold you accountable for your decisions. And if everybody knows the metrics that goes into that decisions, I think you'll be better off. Now that's sharing. Sharing is hard for entrepreneurial guys. They, yeah, they want to just drive through the wall. And that's uh, right. I, I have that in my teammates. I have, I have sons that are probably more like me. I have a daughter who is analytical, will think things through and say, Hey, wait a minute, this doesn't right. make sense. And I, yeah. they go, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. And, and, and that's probably good to have people bouncing ideas off mine yeah. are, are unique because they're somewhat like me, but yeah. Well, they hold you to a kennel. Yeah, that's right. And, and if your team doesn't, it kind of maybe goes back to your point a couple of minutes earlier, which is like, are they even 
the right ones. Or maybe you just haven't relinquished that ability to them. I think it's important to say, I need you to keep me accountable on this or this or this. <clears throat> and it gives them permission because to your point, we're big personalities. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't not work for somebody else and, and then just walk in quietly. Usually there's a little bit of a, there's a presence, there's a little bit of maybe even ego, you know, all those things go into business ownership. And so for someone else, especially someone on your team, or even a kid who's on your team, your dad. So like, how are they going to approach you and keep you accountable unless you pave the way for that to actually be possible, which is authenticity and vulnerability and being able to share and allowing them to hold you accountable, apologizing, like all of those things that, you know, the nuances of the things we can get into, but gave a really, really, really great perspective there. I think, I think age has a lot to do with that. I'm yeah. now past the point of proof. Yeah. Go. And just, you know, I think that we have a, a system now that we can plug and play and uh, she still will go with or without me. And I think that's where we all want to be. It's at a place that, Hey, this has been good. It's been good for me personally and financially. It's not about financial success. It's about happy. Are you happy in your life and are you doing what you want to do? Right. And if you're not here tomorrow, are you happy? I mean, would, would that be okay? Yeah. And there was a lot of times in my life when I couldn't answer, I couldn't say those things because sure. I was 40 and hadn't gotten what I wanted and, and, or, and it wasn't always about money. It was about happiness and, and yeah. customers make me happy. I mean. Getting a new customer is the, the satisfaction of somebody saying, Hey, we're going to go with your team because of, we like your game. And that's pretty satisfying. Yeah. I received that. I think every entrepreneur gets the, gets the juice from that squeeze as well. But if we can catch that earlier on to your point of the happiness part of that, or the fulfillment part of that, as opposed to just the money, I think is, is ultimately where it leads us to, um, maybe more wholesome perspective. And you're right usually as age and experience wears on us. We, we look at things a little different. We have a different perspective. And, and as a young guy, I can remember being 23, 24, 25 and, and thinking that my stuff didn't stink and, and that I was probably a little bit more capable than I was and taking on some, some big challenges and risk, which is what you need in that moment to be able to charge the hill. But so I'm not like putting a 25 year old me down, but but as you get older, you get perspective and you have you know, different clients. I, I run into second generation leaders, become CEOs. And I'll usually my normal comment is going to be, it's a lot smarter. The second generation is a lot smarter. Miles ahead of where the first generation was. The only thing they're missing is water under the, their bridge. They just That's right. haven't faced real world pr problems or issues. They're smarter than hell. I mean, unbelievable. They're, they're, they're smart. So you got to get them some experience and you get them experience by allowing them to work, by allowing them to fail. Yeah. They don't need to hang themselves. They, they need to fail a little bit. And then they go, Ooh, that didn't work. And I need to involve my team a little bit quicker and faster. I, it's not about me. That's right. You know, it's funny. I got to tell this story partially because it, it is good and it totally relates to where you're at, you're at, but then. Also, because my wife, when this happened yesterday, my wife was like, you're going to talk about this on a podcast. I just know it. So here we are. A day later, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> so my son, he's three and a half now. He learned how to ride his bike yesterday. 
And so everything that you were just talking about, you know, it took me about 15 minutes to get him up and going, but he's been, he's been riding the bike for a couple of years now without the training wheels, but without the pedal. So he just, he runs and balances and kind of like floats a little bit. Yeah. He's got the feeling. And so after 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes of just kind of going around the loop yesterday, he got it. He was up and running. And uh, there was a couple of times at the beginning where he was about to crash and I caught him and uh, it was cute. Cause he was like, good job, dad, you saved me. And it's like, wait a second, you're congratulating me. That's cute. Okay, cool. But, you know, we went around a couple more times and then I didn't. I let, he was going to go into the grass. I let him fall. And I just, you know, it was a soft landing. It's grass. But man, he just, he bit the dust a couple of times. And then I let him bite the dust on the concrete. And then I let him bite the dust, you know, over the bike. And he just, know. exactly. He needs to know how to fall. He needs to know how to yeah. be able to get back up and brush his knee off, even though it hurts a little bit and get back on. And, and how do you do that if you don't allow the water to go into the bridge, as you were saying, or give them the experience or allow them to fall? And so I can't ride the bike for him forever. I could, I could ride the bike right now for him. I can, in fact, I could, I could run around the circle all day with him and hold on to him. But how long can I really do that? And then, and then I leave him, I leave him you know, not capable. And so yeah. I think between my little story and, and your real-life example, I think that we've, we've hit the point here pretty good. Would you yeah. add anything to that? No, yeah, the internal struggle between what grandpa thinks is or dad thinks needs to be done, which he needs to crash. Cause I'm not going to be there to hold you all the time. And that's grandma right. saying, well, we don't want his knee to get stretched up. We'll try. That's the struggle. And then you got to figure out how to teach him. Yep. You want to protect them. You don't want them to get hurt, but they need to know it's painful if you go that direction. And yeah. that's the struggle. And it's, yeah. it's the same and it's, it's, it's amazingly similar in everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that perspective. Doug, I want to switch over here to our speed round. I got some, got some hard hitting questions I want you to answer, but the first one is around KPIs. Obviously there's lots of things to track inside the insurance world. I'm sure you guys have got all kinds of measurements, but what would be the most important or the way I like to say it, the one thing that you would track if you could only pick one, what would it be? Well, I would say our new business writings, if we're bringing new business to the books, yeah. that's key. That's number one key. Number one, before you get to number two key is, are you keeping the business that you already wrote? So yeah, yeah. as, as motivating as I am for new business, my team members will caution me and say, that's feel great. We can't take care of what we got yesterday. And I, I, I need to stay attentive to our service levels, our service modules, our backloads, yeah. our. Are we that? So what one goal is sales. We have, we're a sales organization ultimately, but we can't be a sales organization if we're not a service organization. So That's right. it's so hard to say, I only have one metric and I'm just going to die on that one metric hill because if the other metric is not holding and I don't have somebody watching, then I can sell all I want, and if I can't keep it, I'm not doing any good. We got to keep it. That's right. And so I think my talent was always getting the next one. Yeah. Prob probably in that I didn't pay attention to the last one, yesterday's work. So yep. I had to backfill my weakness, which was service 
We got to take care of our existing customers. That's right. So everybody can have a main goal. A, that's what we do. But you better have something like A and a half. (laughs) Yeah. That that before you get to B. And A and a half is we got to keep what we already, you know, we we have getters. We have people that get the business. And we have keepers. That's right. So if you only have getters, you're going to be out of business. If you only have keepers, you're going to be out of business because they can't get it. Right. You got to blend those two people. Yeah. Getters and keepers. Yeah. And that works for every business. I think there's a lot of probably guys listening or, or even gals that have a business and they service a customer, you know, once I build them a deck, right. Or whatever the circumstance is. And uh, they think, well, since I've, I took care of their deck, then there's not really anything else I can do. I'm going to, uh, you know, onto the next deck. And that couldn't be further from the truth because that person now represents future business. And and I've got some clients that have really dialed this in. They know that person represents, you know, another $87,300 you know, $87, in business to them over the next three years or whatever that time frame is. And it's not to take a face and a name and a relationship and turn it to a dollar. It's to realize that that person, that hunter that you're talking about is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where you're over here out here hunting, all you had to do is just curate this relationship, actually take good care of them, <laughs> actually give them even beyond the service. You built them the deck, fantastic. But did you disappear? Did you you send them a Christmas card? Do you do you stop by every once in a while and and make sure the deck is good? Like what there's so many ways that you can curate that that relationship and service them beyond the initial product. And and then whether it's a referral or they move and they need another deck and like all these things that could potentially happen over the next two to five years. And unless you're just in the business to like make a million today and then go to the beach tomorrow, I I think that the two to five year plan is actually a pretty good one. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, my, my failure was always looking at the next piece of business. My, so I, I had to recognize where my weakness was and I had to have people behind me that would honor my commitments, service the account you know, handle the claim and all that stuff because I was singularly focused on grow, growing the customer count. And somebody probably needs to be that person. But there's other things in the business have to be attended to and, yeah. and referrals and meeting the neighbor and meeting the neighbor's friend and, and Big deal. so, so that's, it, it's, it's the same. We're in, we're in the insurance business. There's a lot of people in the insurance business. I know people who use the yellow pages anymore, so I just dated myself, but the yellow pages is full of insurance people. So yeah. the, the customer always has an option always. And, and the minute you forget the customer has options, they're going to, yeah. you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Changes the game. Doug, what, what book or resource would you recommend for a business owner trying to grow? I like, I'm not a voracious reader. I do read snippets of books. I like podcasts. Nice. There's, there's a guy out of Salt Lake City. He, he, he doesn't know me. He's written a couple books and I like two of his books. One is called Killing Sacred Cows, which has nothing to do with the bovines. And it's a guy, Garrett Gunderson, I believe he's the author's name. This guy's out of Salt Lake City. He's a guru. Okay. I watched him on the YouTube. He's pretty far out there in his ideas, but it fits my, it fits, fits my bag. There you go. He, he wrote Killing Sacred Cows, 
And then secondly, he wrote, and then we mentioned something about a while ago, was what would the Rockefellers do? Yeah. And it was a book that compared how the Rockefeller family compared against the Vanderbilt family from the late 1800s and the early 1900s and yeah. how those families were so, so successful and how one of those families is still around and one of them is not still around because of the way that they transacted the business amongst family members. And, and I think it is a, it's a, a unique, fascinating story to look at the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers and two families that had everything in the world and one family still operates and one doesn't. And we'll yeah. tell you which one. You can go read the book. But he, he wrote both of them and I, I like both those books. That's awesome. And uh, Killing Sacred killing Cows is just thinking about, well, this is the way we've always done it. So this has got to be the right way. And that's yeah. probably not true. And with technology advances and right, if you think that you have a better mousetrap, you're probably way, way, way behind. And interesting. There's some people out there that are so far ahead of you, yep. you, the individual. And I'm not saying you have to compete with them, but be cognizant of the fact that there are people that are way smarter than you are. And you kind of got to be somewhat on the leading edge on something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love the perspective of both of those. We're going to drop them both in. I don't say this all the time, but because if I do, if I say what I'm about to say, then my, my editor orders the books for me. So I, yeah. I started getting a stack of books, but both of those I want to read. So she's going to, she's going to hear this and be like, okay, well, Amazon drop, drop, drop. And here it comes. Yeah. So I just appreciate sharing that. I got a question for you, masterminding <laughs> and, and the time that you spend with other entrepreneurs. And do you find it valuable to intentionally get and strategize with other business owners? Absolutely. I think you are an average of your, your peer group. I mean, would you right. take the top five of your peer group? You're probably an average of your peer group. And as a, as a parent or as a person, if you can show me your peer group, I can pretty well tell you how you're going to do because yeah. of who you associate with. So if, if associating with successful people or other business owners, if that is the thing that you desire, then I think you should do that. And if you don't, then stay home on the couch and drink beer and watch football. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at any of those. I've enjoyed all of that. Yeah. But I think I get up and try to be around pretty successful people and make and be held accountable That's right. as their insurance guy. Or are we thinking about things that are out on the edge on their behalf? And I, I yeah. think that's what we do. Yeah. But you, yep. you seem pretty well tell people is tell me your best five friends and what they do for a living yep yeah and that's probably where what you that's got where you're gonna fall yeah the one thing that you said there that was super intriguing to me is that basically you've got you know these these people that hold you accountable but you can only get to that place if you allow it just like we talked about earlier being accountable to your children you have to almost like lower the ego and realize that it's maybe not necessarily that something that you're learning from them, although it could be. And and if and if you did, great. I just think that there's a certain maybe arrogance that comes with, or confidence even that comes with business ownership because I had it for many years and I just lone wolf it. You know, like I wasn't sitting on the couch wasting time, but I was all by myself and 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 I was charging a big hill, big business, lots of employees, lots of money, and but I was all by myself. And not that necessarily 
I needed someone to teach me something, although there's been a lot of things that my peer group has taught me. But the, the very existence of Gathering the Kings is because I wanted to put people around me, just like what you're saying, that could elevate me to the next level. I already felt pretty good about where I was, but I knew I wasn't done. So I needed to get around other guys who also weren't done. Guys like you that came, uh, retirement's for the, for the birds. Let's go to the next level. Let's bring in the family. Let's go to the next, next level. Like all of that is not only just inspiration, but when you rub shoulders with guys like that, it's like, okay, I have no other option. Yeah, I, I, uh, I totally believe in that. I believe when I was a parent, I'm still a parent, I guess. You're always a parent. I watched my kids. Who's your peer group? Who, where are we going to go? We're going to go somebody's house to spend the night. I'm probably going to find out who that is. Yeah. Not, it wasn't a helicopter parent, I don't think, but I paid attention to who they were associating with and, and myself. Try to have a friend of mine, a contractor, longtime client of mine that, even though we have different things that entertain us, we probably think a lot alike. And, you know, we made a goal years ago. We tried to do a personal something, a development seminar once a year. I probably not fulfilled my end of the bargain, but maybe I'll take two one year and then I don't take one. But I try to go learn stuff yeah, and learn what other people are doing in other businesses. And yeah, just the communication with, I'm in Las Vegas at the International Franchise Association meeting right now. And there's lots of people here who are not my customers, but I still learn from those people, what yeah. they're doing and how, how, what they said is probably affecting my customers and that he's feeling that maybe my customers are feeling that and yeah. the communicating with those people that I can't do on zoom and I can't do by telephone. There's nothing like meeting people and this and the, and the community that you're in, you need to learn from that community. And yeah. it, it can be an association. It can be your local community. It can be your neighborhood and whatever your community is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because you can look at that community, and at the end, the result is going to be a hodgepodge of that group is going to be basically where you're going to end up, like you said earlier. So I agree. Doug, I got one last question here for you, man. I want to hit this right. sucker home all the way. Here's your home run moment. <laughs> I want to know if you could whisper in the younger Doug's ear. What would you say? I would say it's not going to happen at home. You, you're going to have to, you're going to have to leave the house. You got to have support behind you. A spouse, significant other that makes you proud of what you're doing and, and supports you and said, you go get them, Tiger, and I'll be here. And you, you got to go and, and you got to fail. You, you, you know, it's frustrating when, when, when you don't get a piece of business that you wanted, it's probably not the customer's fault. And I, counsel with my team and say, look in the mirror, because that's probably the guy that messed it up. And what did you do wrong? And analyze and say, okay, I, I see I didn't attend to his needs correctly. We, we had the price, we had everything, we didn't get the business. And I need to find out why what I did didn't move the needle. Yeah. And I think it's normally in the mirror. And, and if you can do that, it's not a mistake. Maybe, maybe you didn't attend to, maybe you didn't find out what drove the customer in the first place. If you find out that his 
brother-in-law is his current insurance agent, you you might just not waste anybody's time and move on because of the chance of moving that piece of business probably is not very good. Right. So yeah, that's what I would good. tell people. And I know I, there's a lot of things that are done on over zoom and yeah. we're on zoom right now. Well, you, gotta nothing, go. you gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. I think that speaks to the to... soul of, of the entrepreneur, right? Gotta go. That's, that's the old guy's opinion and look for successful people and somewhat mimic what, what they're doing and you'll probably be okay. Yeah. I love that. Doug, how can the listener find you? I know that obviously you work a lot with, you know, franchise systems, but I'm sure that you could write a policy for any business. And so how can they find you? Number one, if they need insurance or they want to, they want to check you out in that way, or number two, they just want to pick your brain about business, family, that type of thing. How can they find well, we have a website, W.PIG, which stands for Program Insurance Group, BCS, which stands for Brian College Station. So it's www.pigbcs.com. It's a website, kind of explains everything we do. Our computer compliance software program that we have for franchisors or, or builders or contractors is www.easycert, C-E-R-T, management, M-G-M-T.com, certmanagement.com. You will get it up on certificate compliance software systems. It will show right up on that. And then my email is uh, Doug at P-I-G-B-C-S.com. And I, I answer all emails. Usually the first thing I do in the morning, the last thing I do at night, and I've heard all kinds of motivational stories on how you're supposed to leave email alone, but I'm pretty quick in responding to emails or I just usually people are, if they email me, they have a, a question and I think they want an answer and I should yeah. give them an answer or get them who they need. But it's yeah. Doug at PIGBCS.com. It's the best place to catch me. And I tell everybody my email address, my cell number. We'll put I, all that in the show notes as well. I want them to easily connect with you. You have you have literally poured out just decades of wisdom. You've done it so so casually today. I know I mentioned that a couple of times, but I want the listener to pay attention because it wasn't just king wisdom today. It was sage wisdom. It was somebody who's been there, done that. And like you said, someone who, you know, has maybe stumbled across a couple of good things and made some good decisions along the way. Plenty of bad ones, but Doug, you've been incredible is the point. Thank you for being here. It's upon it's your business and your family, your kids, the whole deal that you got going on there. The Groves are the are the new Rockefellers. Oop, did I, did oh, the, yeah, did I let the secret it. slip from the book? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Doug, thank you for being here, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge 
a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.